Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I pray that you would forgive me. I have a bad cold and it's affecting my voice. Today's podcast is on the question of Christians and guns. I speak about this only because of the fact that it's in the media. It's being spoken about. It's especially after the Sandy Hook shooting and also the bombing in Boston. So we want to talk about this, that a lot of people talk about Christians and guns, and a lot of people talk about guns in general, and you have the uh, vocal voice of the far right, the NRA, and these type of people that advocate um, the use of guns by all people, uh, the more the better type of mentality. But for, for us as Christians, we need to answer the question, is it right or is it proper for true, born-again, spirit-filled Christians to be carrying weapons? Let me preface all my remarks by saying this, that we live in the United States of America and other free, supposed democracy countries around the world. Uh, if you have the right to bear arms, um, then you're free to do so. As citizens of this country, of this nation, which you're automatically born into when you uh, are born here, you have the right. It's a right that was given to you to bear arms. I want to say on the right from the beginning here that I am not saying that you should not at all own guns. You, as an individual living in the United States, has the right to do what you'd like. I mean, I'm not going to come into your home and tell you, as a Christian, you shouldn't have a computer, or you shouldn't have a couch, or you shouldn't have a shovel in your tool shed. These are personal freedoms that each person would be convinced in their own heart and mind as to whether or not they would own them or not. Uh, that is, weapons and guns. The fact still remains that for Christians, and as I've said before and I'll say it again just now, for Christians, is it right? Is it proper? Is it a good witness for true born-again believers in Christ to be carrying, having weapons, pistols, assault rifles, and guns? Now, this is a very touchy subject, and the reason why it's touchy is because it infringes on a uh, personal freedom that's been granted to us as citizens of this country. That we have freedom, according to Galatians 5.1, that says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So many Christians interpret that to mean that they're free. They're free to do what they'd like to do and that nobody's going to tell them to do differently. So I want to base that. It's a personal freedom. You're allowed to. I'm not telling you that you can't have them. Uh, it's a freedom that, that you're granted as a citizen of this country. Secondly, I want to mention that the government of the United States is the government of the United States. It is a corrupt empire. And if you don't understand that, then you can go back and you should read documents. You should be able to formulate the uh, opinion of such by the numerous amount of doctrines, the way the U.S. government conducts itself within the world. 
that it is a uh, corrupt empire. Having said that, the government of the United States is going to do whatever it wants to do. There's nothing you are going to do to change it. You, you believe or you're led to believe that you're going to change um, the government by electing quote-unquote people that are in line with your view. But that's just a myth because it doesn't really happen. We've seen this time and time again, and um, it, it's just not true. You're not going to change the government of the United States because there's a whole sub-government underneath it that you're not aware of run by uh, the wealthy elites. But that is for another subject. For us as Christians, we're not really to have anything to do with the world anyway. But for us as Christians, <clears throat> we get back to the original question because I want to say again that the government of the United States is going to do what it wants to do. If it bans guns, it'll ban guns. If it bans cars, it'll ban cars. If it bans whatever it may ban, yes, there's people that are going to cry and stand up and say, wait a minute, that's a part of the Bill of Rights. That's, a, you know, we have that enshrined in the Bill of Rights and in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, but you know how easily those documents can be, not those documents change, but how easily laws have are able to override them. I will give you one example. We have the right to be the protected of our personal items and in our homes, to be secure in our persons and our possessions. That amendment was completely blown off, and now it is below. It's made sub, it's subjugate now to the Patriot Act. Uh, before, the police or the sheriff's department of any county nation in the United States would have to come to your door, would have to knock on the door, they would have to give you a warrant of the place they specifically want to search, and that place only. And you still wouldn't have to let them in, but if they had a warrant, you could let them in and let them look around. With the Patriot Act, that is no longer needed. They can come into your house and look around for anything they want under the Patriot Act. So you see with just the laws that Congress could enact, those rights can be taken away from you in a minute. So just remember that, that the government of the United States is not going to conform to your will. It's going to do what it wants to do. So these are things to bear in mind that when you approach this subject, because it's a very, very sensitive subject, and it's, and it's again, it's sensitive because you have these big, huge events that took place, like the Sandy Hook shooting and the uh, Boston bombings that now bring bring out this even more. But the question that comes again around the original question is, is it right, is it proper for Christians to own, use, and have guns? And we want to look at that because the question is, what is a Christian? Well, a Christian is a person who knows, follows, and adheres to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and he knows you, and he has given you of his spirit, and you have become born again, you belong to Jesus Christ. You are his servant. There is no going back. You are his. Knowing him, for the love of him, you want to follow him, you want to be like him, and you want to obey his commands. Well, Let's talk about also now what is a gun or what is a weapon. Basically, a gun is made up of metal parts, big or small, a tube that is consistent of a chamber, and there is a, 
um, firing mechanism, a small explosion is takes place, and a projectile is forced out through that force of explosion, through that tube pointed at the object. The, a gun or a weapon is designed to inflict damage, dismemberment, or kill. Damage to buildings and structures, dismemberment to bodies, and kill both animals and man, birds, what have you. So these are weapons. These are guns. They are designed specifically to do those three things, inflict damage, dismember, or kill. These are weapons used for that. Now, can a shovel that you're using in your yard kill someone? Yes. Can it dismember someone? Yes. But a shovel wasn't designed specifically to do those things, although they are capable of doing those things. They're not specifically designed to do those things. A gun or a weapon is. Again, the debate rages over this gun control, whether or not we should have guns. Should Christians own guns? And as I've explained what a Christian is, and I've explained what weapons are, now you have a good understanding of what those things are. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And in Matthew 5, 44, he says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Because of verse 45, it says that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and send rain on the just and on the unjust. Matthew 5.39 speaks of about not resisting evil. James 5.6 says that they've condemned and killed the just, and they don't resist you. In John 18.36, Jesus says we're of a different kingdom, we're of his kingdom. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, that I should not be delivered unto the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Yes, there is a passage in Matthew 26:51 that says that they had a sword and that Peter drew his sword and cut off the servant's ear. He also tells Peter to put away his sword because it was enough. What did Jesus do also after Peter cut off the servant's ear? He healed him of it. I've been all over the New Testament, and there is nowhere after Acts chapter 2, you do not see any of the apostles or the disciples of the apostles or average Christians, the average everyday Christians, carrying swords or weapons. You never see it. The fact is that in this chapter where Jesus tells them to take two swords, there was two swords there. First of all, notice that not every apostle, all 11, because Judas was gone, two of them were with swords, nine were without swords. So not everyone was armed. Jesus was not building an army here. I would surmise that these swords would have been for personal protection in the sense that these were the foundation. Jesus, the apostles, the apostles' disciples after them, is the foundation of the church. So they, nothing, could, nothing should have happened to them because they needed to send forth the gospel as Jesus told them to. We should obey Jesus Christ. We should be armed with the gospel of love and peace, not with weapons. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And in Matthew 5, 44, to love your enemies and to do good them that hate you. Again, we live in a country that's free. And so far, if we want to own guns, I'm sure we could. The question that comes up is, should Christians own guns? If you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, not really. There's no point in you owning a gun. You shouldn't be consuming your money on guns 
you couldn't, shouldn't be consuming your money on ammunition simply because of the fact that you should be spending that all your energies and all of your material energies into the gospel, the getting out of the gospel. The problem is that a majority of Christians that own guns do not believe that the gospel can change the lives of people. They really don't believe that at heart, or they wouldn't be worrying about guns. Should Christians own military-type assault weapons with multiple clips and rounds? No, not really. Should Christians own bombs, tanks, and missiles? Obviously not. You should be concerned about following Jesus more than anything else. Can you own a rifle for, say, hunting or for vermin control if you have a farm? Yeah. But the fact of owning high-powered pistols and high-powered weapons and assault rifles, just because you can, you have to, again, think about who you are following. You are following the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it looks terrible. I mean, what are you going to do next? Go into your local church carrying an AR-15? and claim it's for protection. I mean, it just it just looks, you know, the gospel tells us, love your enemies, be peacemakers. Should we be stockpiling guns? No. Should we be owning high-powered automatic weapons? Not really if you're a Christian, no. The question that always comes up is, what about the protection of my family? What about the protection of my country? What about my protection? These are common rebuttals that Christians use to try to justify the fact that they're carrying these assault weapons. As I said before, the government will do what it's going to do. And you have had many of your so-called rights already taken away and will have more taken away. You just don't know it yet. We have the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the promise of God for his protection. That's first and foremost. Pray and trust in him and not in your weapons. On a practical level, you can take precautions. If you live in a bad area, okay, you can get a dog. If, if your area doesn't allow dogs, you can get a security system, security cameras. You can get sensors for your windows and doors. You can get sensors inside your home. You can take a lot of practical precautions. Uh, there's a thing called 911. And people will say, yeah, but I need this for protection because by the time I call 911, I could be dead. Okay? Precautions. If you have cameras mounted outside your home, if you have your windows and doors alarm, People are going to say, windows and doors alarm. Look. Listen. We live in a very different world than there was 150 years ago. 150 years ago in America, people never even locked their doors. 150 years ago in America, people in homes would take strangers in that were carrying guns and didn't have any fear. You're afraid because the government has made you afraid. You're afraid because of these neoconservatives and these people that are out there that are telling you you need these guns and you're not trusting in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There's plenty of practical applications that you can use in order to keep yourself safe. Lock your car doors. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things. Do those freak things happen in life where a person, you know, gets attacked or their home gets broken into? Yes, absolutely. We live in a technological age. You can set up cameras all around your home while you're at work. You can monitor them. I mean, come on. There's a lot of practical ways you can protect yourself. Even, even when you're going outside somewhere, you don't need a gun. Um, trust in God. Let me ask you this. Do you really, really pray each night for God to protect you and your family and your home? Do you pray it and that you believe it? Remember Jesus said, my commandment, that you love one another 
As I have loved you, greater love has no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. That would apply to a family as well. That's in John 15, 12 through 14. Remember Jesus' teaching and have faith in him. We should be, again, we should be more concerned about Jesus saving people than us injuring or killing people. Did Jesus carry a gun or a sword or or a weapon to fend off the guards when they came to him in the Garden of Gethsemane? No. Did Stephen, the faithful deacon and first martyr of the church, need a sword to protect himself and hack away at those who were trying to stone him in Acts chapter 7? No. Did Peter use a sword when he was being martyred? No. How about Paul? When Paul was being led to be martyred, do you think that he would grab a sword and try to fight with the guard, to sword battle with the guard to get out of being beheaded? No. Did Paul and Silas, while they were in prison, make a bomb and blow the prison up, killing other people just so they can get out? No. And look at the Philippian jailer. He got gloriously saved. No. No, they didn't. And we shouldn't either. We should trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I leave you with this because I've admonished you enough that you should be trusting in the Lord Jesus and believing in him and more worried about getting out the gospel of the Lord Jesus and him saving people than guns. But I leave you with this thing on guns, that you to remember this. If you're carrying a gun or you have a gun in your home and you pull that gun out and you point it at somebody, you better be thinking straight and you better be understanding the consequences of your actions if you pull that trigger.